welcome back to another edition of the Throwing Bagels podcast. I'm here, Jason Hamo, with Kevin Mooney. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Jay. Chris Douglas cannot join us tonight. He's a little under the weather, so unfortunately he won't make it. But we have a special guest for episode six. A lot of you from ESPN may have made know this guy back in the day when you were spinning tapes because he would tell everyone to spin tapes on a Saturday night after all the games were over. The one and only Tom Roach. How you doing, Tom? I'm good. It's great to be here. Thank you both for having me. It means a lot. It's great to have you. We appreciate you jumping on with us. Tom's career has spanned from ESPN to uh, NBC Sports. He's currently at CBS Sports. He runs his own uh, consulting career consulting company, um, and he has a, a newsletter that's out. And we'll discuss all of this. But Tom, let's start with um, first. What brought you into the broadcasting industry when you when you first started? You know, was it back in college that that really brought you into it or before that? I mean, my, my journey to get to ESPN took about two years and change. I read an article in Sports Illustrated, this, if you have the uh, archives, it's the Arthur Ashe issue, I think it was December of 92. They did a behind the scenes of ESPN article there that when I read it, I, I had no idea that was, they had that there. So I was like, I, I think I can do that. So got my resume together, put a few words out, just like, you know, just like you do today, except it's you're typing it on a typewriter or a word processor and then you're mailing it. But, uh, and then I was interviewed in March of 1993 by the immortal Al Jaffe. And then uh, to say the least, the rest was history in August of 93 when I began there. So to get there, it was several internships and part-time jobs. And, you know, back then connecting was so much different than it is now. Now it's so much easier with emails and, you know, DMs, but then it's like letters, stamps, you got to go, I mean, I'm sure some of your audience remember, you got to go out and get the good office paper for your resume to make sure yes. that, you know, so uh, yeah, you, you both remember. I still have so, it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yep, I think we have a package of envelopes downstairs. Um, but yeah, that was, so, you know, you just do, you do what you can to get the experience you need. And then, you know, all that stuff helps you get there. And then, you know, I, the last thing I did TV before I started there was an internship at a place called New England Cable News in uh, Natick, Mass. They did a weekend sports show, and that was the first time I actually had cut highlights. So I had a little bit of experience in that before I started ESPN. And then ESPN doesn't matter what you. I mean, Jason can speak on this. It doesn't matter what you know before you get there because you're going to learn it a whole new way <laughs> and quickly. And I did. And you know, again, 27 years there was a was a great run. So how did you um, become a PA there? Did you like? I know a lot of people, right? They apply. They have there's there's comp there's um. I know up in Syracuse, they do a job fair every year and bring in people. How did you end up at, at, uh, at ESPN? I mean, I just I heard about the internship, uh, not the internship, the uh, production assistant program there, applied and wrote a letter to them. They got back to me and said, we would love to have you in for an interview. And if you made the, again, anybody that was brought up back then, when you went to Al Jaffe's office, you knew you were going to get a good sports quiz from him and make sure you knew your stuff. And then you either made it or you didn't. And I found out a few months later that I did. So it really wasn't as formal a process. It was, we knew about the program. It was back then. It was a trial and error. I think some we would call it a project PA now. There, those jobs are about a year. Ours was six months. So after six months, mm. you were either going to stay there as a staff person or you weren't. Luckily, I, I got kept. So uh, it was a nice way to get things going. But you learn so. I mean, Jace, you know, you you learn so quickly there. There's no really room to not learn how to do it. So you pick it up, pick it up quickly, and let's go cut five highlights a night for baseball tonight in sports center. And then before you know it, you're like, I can do this. How do I, how do I learn how to do this? I have no idea, but I know how to do it. Yeah. Those uh, interview questions were, were rapid fire. 
Who, and they you know, were all, yeah. all those rapid fire. Yeah. Well, he did he did enough of them, so he knows exactly who that. <laughs> as long as he once he knew where you were from, then he knew exactly the set of questions to get you on. And you're like, oh, okay. I'm from New England. He's asking me about the Houston Oilers. Okay. I, yeah, exactly. Answers about Warren. I'll, I'll never forget. He asked me about the LA. He asked me about the LA Clippers back then. I'm you know a New York kid when the LA Clippers yep. were brutal, obviously. Mm-hmm. So my favorite question was, uh, how, what do you think about this year's Vezina Trophy race? And he knew that you know I wasn't much for hockey and. I had to come up with something. <laughs> uh, Jay and Tom had worked together across paths at one point. So what, what, uh, you know, how did you guys, you know, start working together? I'll let Jason answer that. I was already downstairs waiting for all the new PAs when Jason <laughs> was a new PA. So Jason. <laughs> I mean, I basically, um, I came in through the, through their program, right. They have a training program. I, I'm in the corner, uh, a PA program where they, they, in my time, it was uh, seven months. They, they decided and, I unfortunately was not kept after those seven months, but did learn a lot when I was there. As Tom said, you learn, you learn a ton when you're there and, you know, sometimes ball doesn't, ball doesn't roll the way you want it to, but it was a great time. And that's how I met Tom. Cause he was a highlight supervisor when I was there mm-hmm. who basically oversee us little PAs mm-hmm. and watch, watch over us and make sure that, you know, we're cutting our highlights correctly. And, you know, we, we talked to all of them before we would, uh, before, before we would cut any highlights. Tom, to jump back in uh, to your career at, at ESPN, how early how early were you in your career there when you realized, hey, I could really do this for a career? I mean, once you make once we made it past the six months, you're really in. You're you, by then you're doing mm-hmm. all the PA jobs there are, and you observed all the jobs that are above you, and you kind of get an idea, like okay. You know, I'm going to do this PA thing for a while. I mean, it was the, the over-under was usually two or three years before you got promoted to associate producer. So, and the tasks really weren't the, very different. You're doing highlights, you're cutting content, sound, VOs, et cetera. So once you kind of get your feet wet and all that, I mean, and, you know, it's the early 90s. It was really a neat time to be there. A lot of formative things were going on. It was never a minute that was wasted. You're just running from place to place. And so many studio shows and you know if it wasn't for you you knew pretty quick you couldn't convince yourself that i, I kind of like it you either knew you liked it or you had to do something else and i knew i, I loved it it was learning all that stuff was really exciting and being there was you know I, it, it's hard to explain it now but the room that you know jason remembers the highlight room is a very small room and there was like mm-hmm. 40 to 50 of us jammed in there every day and it's just and always something going on so it's neat to get kind of into that but, you know, once you complete all the tasks, you know, cutting bumps for SportsCenter and cutting highlights for SportsCenter Baseball Tonight and NFL Primetime, once you make the, about a year of doing it, you're like, all right, I've done all the jobs I could possibly do. I would really like it. I want to stay here and see where it takes me. And then, look, fortunately, a place like that has a lot of avenues you can drive it down. But, you know, back then, you know, studio production was really a uh, pretty hot ticket. Sounds like the, the PA position is... Not glamorous, of course, but without it, the ESPN would be nowhere, right? Correct. I mean, you know, I, I, I know Jason will back me up, but like there's so many, when I came up, there was only maybe 60 of us. And mm-hmm. I'm sure by the time in the early 2000s when Jason came, it probably was a little bit closer to 100. And now I don't even know what the number would be now, but it's well into like between 100 and 200. There's so many of them. 
And so, it, but they do all the, you know, they do all the work that, that builds those shows out. Now the APs are really good too. They do a, a great portion mm -hmm. of it as well, but the PAs are really, they're the ones watching the games or we were the ones that were watching the games back then. And they are now in the same kind of way. They're just not doing as many highlights. The show has changed so much. When I was doing it, I would say SportsCenter was probably 80% highlights. And by the time Jason came in, it was probably not 80, but it's probably like 60 to 70. But now the show is really divided into, you know, highlight content and then non-highlight content. Here's an essay mm -hmm. by Jeremy Schaap on somebody. Here's a highlight collection that somebody else is going to cut of one event from five or six games together. And, you know, in that form, here's the best from you know, college baseball today. And here's a minute and a half on just that. And it's one play from six games instead of one game. That's a minute and a half. So the show's changed, but again, the work, you know, that kind of work is, that's what the PAs do. And without them, yeah, they'd be in big trouble. When you were there, right? You were, so you were a PA, you became an AP, mm -hmm. then you became a highlight supervisor. Now, as we mentioned, highlight supervisors, they kind of oversee the PAs, just make sure that, you know, what we're seeing when we want to cut a highlight, we're, we're cutting it the way, the way it should be following the, the quote unquote rules, right? Mm -hmm. Things like that. What made you decide you wanted to be go from an AP to an associate producer to a, a highlight supervisor? It really was the progression there. It, it, you, that was the next step. So again, you, you either were gonna branch off into doing features all the time or be in screening. The quickest path to producing shows was to do screening first. It really yeah. was about, you know, it's a little different now, the path, but because again, there's so many, it's so much bigger but there was only like eight of us so they, or nine of us when I was doing it, when Jason was there. So that was really the pipeline to the next bunch of producers. So if you look through the annals of that place forever, that was where the producers from like 2000 to like 2006, that's where they really almost all came from. But the ones that were internally, not externally hired, were from screening. So I knew I wanted to do shows. So I had to, you know, I had to be, I wanted to go do highlights. And that was a place that I, I loved to teach. And whatever I can share with everybody that I learned when I was doing it really made a lot of difference to me. So I had a job where I could do that every day. Um, and I loved it down there. It was, a, I was there for three years. It was a blast. We all had such a good time doing it and it, your late hours. Yes. And spin your tapes. Of course, those are things that are important, <laughs> but uh, you know, we all really enjoyed sharing what we knew with all of the newer PAs so they could learn and then they could eventually be the next us and, four or five years or whatever. So it really was the next natural step to take before doing shows. And really you learn things when you're in screening that it will absolutely help you as a producer of a show and leading a team. That's kind of stuff is what you do every night in there. And every night as a highlight supervisor, you're leading a team of five or six different people every single day with 30 deadlines between 10 o'clock at night and mm -hmm. two in the morning. Like Jason, you were in there, you know that you would walk in at night and say like, oh, I've got four highlights to cut of White Sox Indians tonight. Oh, okay. I better get on that because that's, and that, that was what the night was. And for one of us, highlight supervisors, we had four people, five people with the same kind of night, just like that. So, you know, you want to talk about deadlines. We're making a deadline every, you know, four deadlines an hour from 10 and 11, four more deadlines in 11 to 12, uh, four more deadlines from 12 and one, and four more deadlines from one to two. So, mm -hmm. You know, if you did it right, you knew, you learned pretty quick how to do it, but you can't beat that kind of energy and that kind of, uh, you know, that was really a fun time to be there. And, you know, again, you share what you know with what these guys have to do and they pick it up and it's great to see them learn and evolve. Yeah, I, I will say when I was there, of, of all the, of all the, the, the high soups that I worked with, 
Tom was probably by far the the best teacher of all of them. He he kind of he kind of uh, you know he made sure that he worked with you, right? And some there were some that were there, and you could tell they they were there to just get the highlights out and get there and move up. But there were a, there were a few that were definitely there to make sure that they taught at the same time, and Tom mm-hmm. was definitely one of those guys. And it's a big part um, of it. I, I, I'm just that just comes from people that I worked with when I was a newer PA. The, the shared learning there from the people that were already there, and these are guys that were my peers, is really really important. And you know they they drilled it into our heads like this: we, you got to pick this up, new guy, because we cannot wait for you to get it. You got to get it like in a couple. And you know, 93. That's a, things are a little bit more accelerated as far as how fast you had to learn it, but. And I, I just knew that I, I owed it to everybody that was after me to share what I knew with them. Now, when you were a um, PA, right, you did, you cut, obviously you were cutting highlights when you were an AP, you started to cut more, more sports center type segments. Um, and then you, you know, and then once you moved up to producing, what did you look for when you, when you were working to, um, on the spot, on the top tens, on the sports center top tens, what did you look for to create? Um, specifically to make that something would make that, that top 10 list. Oh, that was, yeah, that role was out of all my producing roles that I had, I would put my supervising producer role as top 10 overseer, my favorite. I love doing that. It was, it was so great. I did it for three years. You know, top 10 was, everybody loves it. Everybody knows what it is. It was, a, it's the most popular franchise inside a sports center. It's the one everybody's waiting for at the end. So, you know, we wanted to make it, you know, it was the first time that producer had been assigned to like, okay, we need you to oversee it. And I was like, okay, like the content's got to be a little bit better because the way it was done before was it was really hard for one PA to just do it because once you go into edit, you're not watching anything, you're cutting, you're trying to keep an eye on it. What do I change for later? All those kind of things are really, it's hard to do. So when SportsCenter came and said, we've got to take the PA back for the show because they can do more for the show, we're going to put top 10 in screening. And now I was a producer already managing some things in screen. So I said, we're going to have you do it. So what makes it great? I mean, you know, I always looked at it. I have a, a, I had a philosophy of 10 has to be better than nine. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, 10 is your first thing you see in this three minute piece. I want to make sure that I've got your attention at 10. Mm-hmm. So make sure you come up with a really interesting, good 10. And then, you know, nine to two is kind of what you like. You'll figure it out. A lot of it is really organic. You just kind of watch it and go, oh, that feels like, okay, that's better than that. When you see them all in a row, you can kind of rank it, but just make sure one is the best. And then, you know, there you go. So that's, I mean, there's really no, really no secret sauce or science to it. You, you know what the best is. It's the one that get, gives you the most reaction. And, you know, you know your audience when you're producing, you better know your audience in top 10. They're going to be there. They're going to watch the whole thing. And they're going to, you, you know, you watch it. You're going to mentally rate every play no matter what. Oh, I can't believe seven wasn't three. Well, there's a lot of that. So we don't get, we never really get too wrapped up in a lot of that. We, we took great care in ranking them, but, you know, you could feel it out once you saw them all in a row. And I made sure that when we laid the timeline out, we would look at it once and go, okay, we're feeling good about three or is three, two or is two, six and make a couple of adjustments and go on from there. But as long as you had an interesting 10 and it was really good and number mm-hmm. one was the best, the rest is the middle and we can debate the middle forever. But as long as you get number one right, that's important. <laughs> how many highlights, like on an average, how many highlights would you rip through to, to assemble that top 10? You roll, everything is coming into the building. So you, you know where yeah. everything is. And again, with us, social media was such a much bigger supplier of these things because everybody posts everything so as long as you know where you're looking there you can get a heads up that there was a play in middle tennessee state 
by this guy. Oh, I'd see a dunk in that game. Oh, now I did. Do we have that? Oh, we do. And with the advent of ESPN Plus and all the things that you know, are out there, those feeds are all over the place. So you just got to make sure you know where you're looking. And we, you know, with a producer to manage it, I could start looking really widen out the base of where we were searching from. And again, when you're producing anything, if you have more to choose from, you can make better choices because you have more. All right, now I've got way more things to look at. Oh, did you see that soccer goal from China? No. Oh, look, oh my God, bicycle kick. Where was that? It was on this feed. Oh, okay. And if, if someone can look for that stuff, great. And I would train the PAs, like, look, at here's some feeds that you might not know about. Make sure you go through these first before we do anything at seven o'clock when the games start. And if we had a list of about four or five before we got going, all right, now we've got four or five decent ones that will, could make it, but now you've got something to beat. So now when all the games start, it gets a lot easier to pick the things that you know, okay, there's going to be, oh, Zion tonight, oh, 360, okay. Like, you know, you're going to get some of those things no matter what, when there's a busy night. So it was just a matter of expanding the search and, you know, you just kind of know where to look. And after a while, you know where to look, you know where the games are, but you also have to know where all the special feeds are of the things that aren't being brought into the building at night. You know, there's a lot mm -hmm. of sports on the other side of the globe that, okay. You know, sure. how we, again, if you knew your social media, you know where to look. So uh, that was really a huge help to us for, for all kinds of things. You know, the, the, a lot of the uh, high school students that do great things, we're not getting those games in. Someone's got, somebody's parents has to, they got to shoot the game. That's where we found, you know, again, when Zion started to become viral, somebody was going to shoot those games in South Carolina. And then you know, all of a sudden there he was. And we had him a couple of times the year before he went to Duke and like, okay, yeah. here he is. Keep an eye on That was LeBron guy. back in the day. All right, LeBron, LeBron was in high school when I was there. And I remember back in the day, it was watch this kid from, from Ohio. Right. You know, he was a junior, uh, only, I think, at that point. Only a couple of his games might have been on TV when St. Vincent's was playing. But, you know, ASPN was pretty, you know, they got there just in time. But, it would, again, it was such a different media landscape back then. It was just hard to find that stuff. But, yeah. Home movies were all over the place. Everybody had a camcorder in the early 2000s shooting those kind of games. So, yeah, that's, you know, you just have to kind of know where your stuff is, make sure you're looking at as much stuff as possible, and then you make your decisions off that. You know, again, producing is choosing, so let's choose, but make sure we're choosing from a lot of really great things to make it kind of hard to choose. And when you make some hard choices, you come up with better stuff, and that's really not just top 10, but anything you're putting together, like how are we, what, where, are we, where are we drawing from, and how can we connect to the viewer that way, and that's was our philosophy the whole time I was on that. All of this, you know, that entails behind the scenes production work, which is so heavily dependent upon technology. So Tom, as you look at, as you look back at, you know, in your experience, how has the technology you started with, how did that change over time and how did it transform the way things were done behind the scenes? It's, I mean, it's mind blowing to even think about it, you know, in the age of servers and digital media and all these things, it, to, to describe how it was back then really was like the stone ages. We really weren't chiseling shot sheets on rocks, but, in, but as far as the, the media was concerned, you had a tape, like a tape. Yeah. One tape. If you had a Yankees Red Sox game, it, there might've been two machines recall, recording it, but that's it. You have two copies of that. That's it. There's no, there's no server to share from. You can't, yeah. you have to borrow it. If I need to cut a bump for a show from your game, I need that reel to do that. Oh, well, I need to use that reel to cut my highlight. Oh, well, okay. How are we going to do this? Well, I have to go clip that shot off in an edit room and give you your tape back so you can go do your highlight. So imagine that times like that. Imagine everything being that way. And that, you know, it's it, it, how we, you know, we didn't know any better either because that's how it was. You learned it that way. But, you know, Jason can attest. 
you were there for tapes, you know how it was. You just, it, to do this, the work now, you have access to so many great things because servers are huge. There's, mm-hmm. you know, all the libraries and all the networks that I've seen them at NBC and what we have at CBS, everybody can share everything. Oh, that's neat. Like, yeah, there it is. There's that feed of that game. Like, you know, we, we did the Super Bowl two Sundays ago. That that video is available to everybody in our office. Everybody, you just click on it and there it is. Every, you can always have that Patrick Mahomes injury shot. And that wasn't happening in 1993 to like 2004. You had that, okay, who's got that tape? Where's real one of Patriots Dolphins? Exactly. Uh, I think it's upstairs. Did news grab that? Did you ask who had it? I just turned around and it was gone. Like, you know, know, we we were very good about sharing, but it was, you really had to be on top of that organization. It was really important or you just couldn't get your work done. You had no idea. If you went to the library and the taping or if you were cutting bumps like Jason did for SportsCenter and you needed some old video and all of a sudden you can't find Maryland winning the national championship because the international team has the tape taken out for an edit that they have to do. Now you're stuck and you got to either find out where that person's desk is or what their hours are and see if you can get the tape that way. Like it, so having all this, you know, nonlinear editing, again, it, it's, it's advanced editing in the ways that we could never imagine. If you had to go back and put a play in the middle of your highlight, you had to take the tape out, lay it all down again, put the play back in, put the rest of the highlight on after it. And that didn't mm-hmm. take forever, but it took longer than, the minute it takes to do it on Premiere, you just slide the box and, and there you go. Oh, there it is. I added it in five seconds. Like, it's crazy. So it's just, yeah. you can't even, I mean, you know, it's so much easier to get the work done. And it's almost like problem solving to make something good is now you're not thinking so much about like where it is or how I got to organize it or how am I going to make sure I have all my tapes at the end of the night. You can, you can 86 that stuff right off the bat. Now you have to worry about it. Now all you can worry about is let's make it good. What can we into driving all your energy into making it good instead of, oh my God, where's my real five? I have no idea if someone has it. They needed it for a bump. Uh, okay, uh, now I got to make sure I don't forget that at the end of the night because I have to put them all back. So someone's going to need these tapes tomorrow. And you always have to think about that, you know, back then the people that were working on the six o'clock show that had to come in and they had to use your tapes to make their show because there are no games for them. So yeah, it's, it's mind blowing to even think about the tech and how much more advanced it is than it was back then. In 2019, Tom, you decided to shift to talk show production, right? And you're working with some of ESPN's biggest personalities mm-hmm. like Golick and Wingo and others. Like what, what led you to make this switch there? I was reassigned to that. They okay. needed some help on the radio uh, simulcast side of things. And they needed someone like me to kind of get on the morning show and make it better you know, make it more, you know, TV friendly. And I, you know, I was glad to do it. Those guys are great. I've known, you know, Trey was a buddy of mine forever there. So it was definitely a new challenge from doing nighttime uh, sports in the top 10, but it was uh, really something that I needed to do to learn like, okay, this is how, I mean, it's been a minute since I've done anything, but doing those shows is a lot different than doing sports center because you're working with the radio team. So how that worked was the radio team is doing the content and what they're talking about. And the TV team is supporting that with graphics and video. And, you know, the radio breaks are longer, as you know, Kevin, you know, they're not yeah. three minutes, they're like seven. So they need TV content to fill those large radio breaks. So that was really what my staff was in, uh, in direct charge of is what are we putting in these big, long TV timeouts that we need to fill because the radio breaks mm-hmm. are longer. So 
it was, it was great to be part of something like that. Those guys over there in radio were awesome to me and uh, their, their connections I made. And I, I still have to this day, all of them. They're, it, it's a great bunch over there. They work really hard. That show was a blast to be a part of. It's really a good family atmosphere on that show. The guy, all those guys were together for a long time and they really got each other. And it was cool to kind of like be the new guy there and learn how to do it. And, you know, again, it was different than that doing a TV show. I couldn't get in there and be like, oh, we're going to do this, that, and the other thing. I had to really learn to collaborate with radio and say, okay, what are you guys doing? What's the best way we can kind of do it together? And I think we managed pretty well. The pandemic came in the middle and threw some mm -hmm. things all over the place in March of that year. But we came back in May and did the show remotely, which was really a fun challenge for all of us. And it was one of my funner things I ever did as a producer. So it was a good time on that show for the year I was on it. About a week ago, um, ESPN lost one of the biggest people ever, I would say, that ever worked there, <clears throat> excuse me, in Barry Sachs. Everyone who's worked there has passed through his office at some point or another. You sit down with him when you first basically you first come in there. You yeah. one of the first few weeks you're there, you sit down with a bunch of the coordinating producers, and you know he's one of the first ones you sit down with in your newsletter. And we'll discuss your newsletter a little more in a little while, a little bit. But you had you had written something in your newsletter, and obviously there, it's been all over Twitter and people that had worked at ESPN posting things, memories of him. What can you tell us? Tell everyone about Barry Sachs. The first thing I'll say about him, he was my friend. He was friends to so many of us there. And you're lucky to have a guy like that in your life anywhere, no matter where you work. But you came in and you just, you knew he was there. Like a good adjective that I would say describes him as present. He was the most present person I ever was around there. You always knew he was around, whether it was in screening, his door was always open in his office. You could always go in there and talk to him. It was really great to be around a guy like that. He really, he was so involved. Right. He was always popping through downstairs just to see how everybody was doing. He really cared about the group. He cared about the content, too. Yes. And he, he, that was one of the most urgent guys you'd ever be around in a live control room environment. But that's the guy you wanted in there because he really every day is the Super Bowl. And he said mm -hmm. it all the time. Somebody is watching this show. We owe it to them to make it good. And those impressions that were really late, I mean, really young in my days there. And I took a lot of that stuff with me to this day. I mean, so really fortunate to be around that. We were lucky to play softball together for a couple of years. That was a blast. I mean, we had such a good time. I mean, you know, just not being at work and being around each other. But he was that way with so many people. And, you know, what can you say about a guy who gave so much to so many? His footprint is massive, not just there, but at Quinnipiac University. You know, we have some PAs in our group at CBS. One of our guys went to Quinnipiac. He's like, yeah, I didn't have Barry, but you knew who he was. He's like, nobody at Quinnipiac didn't know who he was. He was that big of a deal there. If you go to the Connecticut Sun, he produced their, for their games for a few years. That group, he's so giving of himself that it's mind-blowing. And, you know, we're all, we've all got some great stories. And luckily, we have those. It's, uh, it's very sad that we're not going to have any more of them. But we're really all lucky to remember what he did for us. And all we can do is pay all of that forward to the people that we're around. And I think all of his disciples that were through there in the 90s and 2000s we're all pretty good at it mm. and you know it you, what good are you if you're not giving what you know to somebody else I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me it didn't make any sense to him you know so just the, you know when we look at the groups of people that he mentored on specialty shows like nba tonight and nhl tonight and rpm tonight you know all the final fours he did in college game day i mean it's just if you start talking about it you're talking about an ocean of things that happen there that are just it's incredible so 
very lucky to be here on Barry. I'm going to miss him so much, but you know, we're all talking to each other. You know, it's tough that something like this mm -hmm. is to bring us back to each other a little bit, but maybe that's the thing that we should all keep doing more of as we go forward with all of us that were there during all those years. Cause you know, we, he, he was the best guy at keeping in touch with anybody. I mean, when I was out of work for a year and a half, every other month, how you doing, bud? You good? Yep. Just checking. You need my help. Let me know. And I'd see him a couple times a year playing golf. And this summer I got to play golf with him for a whole day in June, July. And it was awesome just to get five hours with him like that. It was really lucky for me that we got a one, a big last thing like that before we both went back to what we were doing and then what happened happened. So it's very sad for all of us to, that he's not going to be around, but we luckily have great memories from him that we can carry with us and make sure that we're paying them out to everybody else. And that's how he gets to in some way still be around. Yeah. And I, I will say like, I, you know, obviously I didn't work with him that long, but you know, I, you know, I definitely, I definitely spoke to him and I don't think there was that many coordinating producers like him that would go down and, and speak to everybody all the time and just talk to everyone. And I take that as someone who's not in the broadcasting industry anymore. I still take that to this day and I'll, you know, and to be able to help people that, you know, just no matter where you are, just to be able to help people that you work with, you know, it's immeasurable. You can, you can go to a business school and take a class to get an MBA on how to be a present leader. And I'm like, okay, you can, or you can be Barry and be around and just, how are, we, how are we doing? What's going on over here? And we challenge you. Hey, did you see that play in the sixth inning? What? Well, it was a big out. They didn't get that run. You better have that in. Like, oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. They all the time. Think about this. You know, there, you know, you say there are rules. Well, he would say there are no rules. Not in a bad way like anarchy. It's like, don't get hemmed in by what everybody, what you've always done or what we always do. Think about what's beyond that. What can we, this is a good highlight. How can we make it better? This is a great show. How can we make it better? Oh, you led with this? Well, how come you just gave me a highlight and a score? You can get a highlight and score in the C's, he would say. You know, like, yeah, you're right. He's like, if you're going to lead with something, lead with it. You know, make sure you have a reason. You can lead with anything as long as you back it up. Don't cheat me. I'm waiting for more. I, I, I need more. Everything's important. So to have somebody like that around everybody all the time is, is great because you're always thinking. You're always ready for Always root for the no-hitter. We were always, you know, saying that back in the day. Oh, I, uh, I hope I don't get a no-hitter tonight. I'm like, why? Shouldn't you want a no-hitter tonight? You want that because that's a challenge that comes every once in a while. And you want to make sure that your game is tight so you're ready to raise up and meet that challenge. And Barry was all about that. So always around. You know, he'd pop in at like 6 o'clock before the game started, look for some Red Sox fans, give them the business and, you know, get the room really going. It's like first take, but 20 years ago. And now everyone's riled up. It's great. You know, okay, tough, tougher. It got tougher as the Red Sox started winning for him to give them some trouble. But again, you know, it was just great to kind of see that kind of energy and that kind of caring level. And he set a bar for all of us that came after him. Like, it really greenlit. Like, if I'm him someday, I want to be like that. Like, I want to be that involved. When I was producing, I always made sure I was down and screening for like an hour, just around, just to see what's happening. You know, they're gonna, the show's going to get written. I don't have to be at the pod the whole time. I'm going to eat dinner and go down the screen from 7.30 to 8.30. That's not going to kill anybody. If the show's in three hours, I'm going to be good. When I was doing overnight news, I did it every day. I'm like, why are you going over there? I'm like, I have to be down there. I got to see what's going on. I have to, for me. But it also helps on my end to be seen. The people mm -hmm. that are in there are like, oh, Rochi's down here? All right. Yeah, okay. When I'm working for him, I know. I know. There's no faking that. You're there. And you're in the middle of all of it. I mean, you know, it's it's... It's not unlike that now. It's just a lot of bullets flying around. And you're like, 
okay, things are happening. This is, you want to be part of that for a little while and everyone has to see you. So, I mean, you can take all the classes you want, but like you either want to do it or you don't. And Barry set a bar for a lot of those guys that, you know, it was his thing, but it wasn't really fair to expect them to be him. He's one of a kind. So yeah, some of those guys wouldn't come around as much, but that's not a fault of theirs. They have their management style. He had his, and that's why it all worked out. We were all really different, but we were all going for the same thing. So he did exactly. set a bar for all of us. That was, and these are rules to follow. I mean, it's not just TV, right? Jason, you're not in the broadcast anymore, but you know, you, you just know, and it wasn't micromanaging either. He's just there to see what we're up to. How's everybody doing before the show starts? Come in. He's on his way down for the 11 o'clock show. It's 10, 15, 8, spend it 15 minutes in there. All right, you guys need me? I'm down the hall. Okay. And you just know the guy's got you all the time. So, you know, he's, he's set such a great example for all of us that followed. And, you know, and it's still, you know, and there are plenty of people that are everywhere that are paying that off all over the place. Again, his footprint is huge. Yeah. You know, he, part of him is that CBS Digital because of me. I'm not saying I'm being him. I'm just remembering what he told me. You know, I end all my emails to my group with something. I say, keep pushing. I don't even think about that. And then a buddy of mine was like, you, I like how you put that in there. I'm like, Barry said that all the time. That's right. And I didn't even think of it when I'm writing it to my guys. So now I'll make sure that it's always going to be in every email forever because keep pushing. And that was, again, a very easy philosophy. Just don't settle. You know, it can be better. Can it be better? Yeah. Don't kill yourself if it wasn't as good as you wanted to be this time. That's what next time is for. And those things were, those words were huge for all of us, no matter what our roles were. So everybody there and everywhere else in the media world owes him a lot and he's going to be missed, but you know, one of a kind and uh, did so many great things there for so many people. And to see all the reaction the last week, social media, there are people there that were from before me that knew him really well and videos from all and great stories. And Rich Eisen's got an unbelievable story. It's worth looking up on YouTube about Barry, I mean, again, one of a kind. And I was really glad I was part of uh, his time there. And it was part of my time too. And it was time I'll always cherish. So gonna miss him a lot, but one of a kind and uh, an all time great. Just hearing you talk about him, Tom, here and Jay too, it, it sounds to me like Barry had a tremendous amount of respect for coworkers, respect for the craft and respect for the listeners or viewers, excuse me. Uh, and that's really, that's a person worth emulating. Totally agree. I mean, totally agree. Cared about everybody. And look at all the, the outpouring came out from kids at Quinnipiac with a tweet here and there and Dick Vitale. I mean, that kind of a spectrum is like, pretty wild and again i saw some people over the weekend at the services that i haven't seen in forever and we all have that bond that we were there for all of that and it really was healing for a lot of us it's never going to heal but i mean we've all been on a roller coaster for the past you know nine days or whatever and but we know we have each other we really do and yeah. that's we need to be around for each other to get through this but to get through anything so that's really something that we can all take from him and be like hey you know what how do you have time to reach out he just did Act on the impulse. So, you know, if you've got some friends you haven't talked to for a while, take a minute. Hey, how are you? Boom. And you're done. And then see what, see what leads to. And, and they, you know, it can't hurt. And he always was good with that. And he was texting with all his students to see how they are. And not just all those guys that were there playing softball with him either. So, you know, it, it, just a giving guy. And, uh, you know, again, can't be beat mm -hmm. in any way. I mean, can't beat that. It just really is uh, fortunate for all of us to be around the guy who's that giving and showed that it was okay to be so.
very few people in this world that like gets the outpouring of respect from such a mm-hmm. wide swath, a wide group, right? That that you can imagine from like he's like Tom said, from a group of college kids to guys that are ridiculously famous. You know, it's just you don't you don't see that very often. There's very few people in the world that get that kind of respect. Totally. You're uh, you were for a couple of years you were high, you were uh, softball teammates uh, with Barry oh. and that played a role in the forming of your own company, right? Stormers yeah. 15 Media Group. Yep. Yeah, the, the softball team was the Barnstormers. Um, my Barry story, I'll give you, here's my Barry story. <laughs> it is related to softball. Uh, we played a few games together. Like my second year, I played a few games with him. Before his work hours was so much, he couldn't play at 10 o'clock in the morning anymore with all of us. But, you know, so he would come to the games and he's coaching third base. This is a great, and this is a typical, you know, a great story that is right up his alley. So he's coaching third base. I'm on second. There's one out or no outs. And there's a fly ball to right. And I didn't tag and go to third. Now, you know, okay, I'm not even thinking about it. And he's with his hands on his hips at third base. And he's like, what are you doing? I need you here, not there. You got to get here. We need that run. So we didn't score the run. I go and dug on my Barry. I'm sorry. He's like, it's okay, bud. But, you know, pay attention. You could have made it. I'm like, all right. So that's, you know. So the Barnstormers have been around forever, and I got a chance to be part of the team with him. Uh, the great Eric Smith was the manager of it when I when I started with that group in my second year. And that team goes way back to the 80s and all the guys back then in the Hartford Morning League before it came and all ESPN League down the road. And I got to manage the team from like 1999 to 2019, so it was kind of mm-hmm. cool. But so when I was making my side hustle up, I was thinking of a name for for it and you know everybody called us the stormers so my number on uh, the stormers was 15 and uh, i'm like oh what about stormers 15 media group kind of catchy so that's kind of the origin story of the name of the side hustle uh, uh born in may of 2021 so uh yeah i owe a lot to the stormers i still have i still have a couple of uh the t-shirts from when we were playing some of them are in better shape than others but uh you know it was it was a big part again it wasn't it, to me it was Yes, it was work softball, but like I came up when it kind of wasn't like we actually mm-hmm. played games in the early 90s that were like six to four. Like, oh, OK, that's like a game. So you better tag up or you better go first to third in a single or you're going to hear from it. Yeah. A certain person on the way around. So, uh, you know, it was a great time. But, yeah, that it just made a lot of sense when I was thinking of a name for the, the company that that just kind of came out organically. So and your side hustle is really seems like it's an opportunity for you to really pay it forward. Yep. I mean, yeah. when I was looking for the next great adventure, I thought, well, you know what? How can I do what I did really well there and help people? Oh, I can do this, you know? So what am I going to do with it? I don't know. Uh, maybe I can help you with your resume. Now, am I a professional resume writer? No. But can I make your resume better? Yeah. I look at it like a television show. Like it's a piece of paper about you. So you better produce it. It's something that has to be produced. If you think about it along those lines, it's got to jump off the page a little bit. So how do you do that? Think like a producer and come up with that. It took me a little while to get to that point. It took my own resume to be reproduced by myself and my sister to make sure that it looked like something. I'm like, I think I can do this for people in the business that might need more than just a list Mm. of what I did. You know, you have to think about your resume, like what can I do for you? Because that's what I'm looking for as a prospective hirer. I don't want to look at the laundry list of like what you did. That's nice. But, you know, it's like a shopping list. I, I know you need the milk, but why do you need it? Like, what, what about it? Oh, I love to mm-hmm. eat cereal. Oh, now I know something about you. Okay, you need the milk. 
so you can have some cereal. Now I've learned something more about you. So that was one wing of it. And I did, I did some content reviews for some guys uh, in my early days of doing that. Like, oh, send me your, your reel. I'll look at everything and, and you know, not a, a pretty unbiased look at what you produce. How can we make this better? You know, your music selections are decent, but your video is incredible. I mean, things like little tips like that, you're only going to get from someone that's seen a million of those things and knows a degree of what good is. You know, I've got a lot of really great creative friends that I know when they hit it out of the ballpark, I'm like, wow, I, I know I couldn't do that. I had that a little bit there, but not as much as some of my friends have gone on to make 30 for 30s and incredible mm -hmm. game opens and, but I know I think I have an idea of what good is. So I, I'm here to help with that. You know, if you have an on-air reel, same thing. What do, you, what do you think about my on-air reel? Oh, it's pretty good. You know, maybe you need a little more confidence in this. Your stand-ups look like that. When you lay the features out, how can you do it? Like, again, little advice like that, that only someone that's been in the business for a million years like I have can at least lend a hand to. And I've had a handful of clients in the year and change. I've had the business out and it's great. And I'm always hustling for more clients. It's always great because I want to help. And, you know, I'm here for that. And it's, you know, it's been a nice thing to have to pay all that for, because, you know, again, all this stuff's up in the brain and I got to share it with somebody. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there, especially people that are breaking into the business that, mm -hmm. you know, you need, I, need, I could use somebody to learn from, oh, this guy seems like he knows who he's talking about and go from there. And I think I've had some success with some of my clients. So it's, yeah. uh, it's been really fun doing it. Do you find yourself giving any particular piece of advice more often than, than others? No, not really. It really depends on what you're looking for. I mean, I think mm -hmm. what I, in general, when I, when I, a lot of my consulting calls that I have to, to set up further business is a lot of the stuff that I went through when I was looking, you know, you, you got to be relentless. You just have to keep it up. And positivity is really important. There's going to be times when you're looking where you're, you're going to doubt, you know, and I had them, I had plenty of doubts. I'm like, I, I hope I land. This is really getting weird, not finding or getting, in front of some people to at least share what I know. So you, you have to remind yourself, you know, I always had, a, I had a great reservoir of, Hey, I was at a ESPN. I know I did some good stuff there. So I'm not going to ever disqualify that ever. So every time I had a bad moment, I'm like, Hey, let's pop open the resume and just breeze through that real quick. All right. Yep. I helped a lot of people there. I know that. So that really carried me through a lot of like dark times, mm -hmm. quote unquote. I mean, you know, the hard times are hard, but when you have some confidence in yourself, you just drive right through it. And, you know, there were, were there some moments, of course, everybody has them, but, you know, so staying positive, staying relentless, really important. Networking is something that I am a huge a drum major for. Get out there. Don't be afraid. Cold emails, whatever. Request on LinkedIn to, to connect. Don't worry about it. The people that don't care are going to, they'll let you know really quick when they don't get back to you. It's not important to them moving on to the next thing you know there are i think linkedin is great there's a lot of it's a great community of people that i think want to help from what i've my all my dealings with it tons of people out there that are willing to help you just got to keep shaking the trees till, till some apples fall out and they're going to fall mm -hmm. out so that those are the kind of that's have the common advice that's kind of where i'm at I'm like how's your linkedin profile that's something i also do on the side with the, with the business like is it good oh, i'm not really on linkedin well all right well it's way different than indeed so up to you, you know, if you want to read job boards, Indeed is terrific. Their, their engine is awesome, but there's no community there. LinkedIn is really great. And if you connect with the right people, you know, like Jason, I don't know when we've connected, but it's been a minute. So uh, you've, been on, you've, been, you've been connected for a while. I mean, it's just wild. Who, you don't even know who's out there. It's like people that you never even thought about. 
Yeah, Twitter's great, but it's not the same, you know that. So I mean, it's not, so I find LinkedIn very valuable. And again, I, I try to steer everybody like, look, this is where a lot, if you're looking for anything, whether you're employed or not, this is where it's at. And be, and this is where all the professional stuff is happening. So be on that, be involved in it. Don't blow it off. If, if, if you're happy where you're working, awesome. That's the, that's the goal. Be happy. If you're happy, great. Don't worry about LinkedIn. If you're cool, be cool. But you always want to have it just in case of emergency, you've got this. And as we see in the business as it goes forward, there's been way more of that than, you know, there's been a lot of that. And it's tough when you see companies that are laying off and things like that. And, and I was one of them. I thought, I, I didn't think I was made in the shade there, but I was surprised when it came to me. But it does happen. And, you know, something like that that's out there is a very valuable resource to anybody who's, who's in any business. So it's important to use it to your advantage because you really can if you do it right. A visit to your LinkedIn profile page that is, offers the opportunity to sign up for the Around the Bases huh. newsletter, which I think is great. I, I went through I went through a few of the posts and it's a great little concise list of here's some cool thing. Here's a TED talk. You know, here's a YouTube video you should watch. And then here are some job openings if you're looking for gigs in the media industry. So I think it's a really great you know newsletter for people that, that are looking to get into the business. Yeah. I mean, it, it just kind of came out of nowhere. Like I, yeah. when I was looking for work, I was on all the boards and I get assaulted by all the emails that are pouring in from Monster and ZipRecruiter and yeah. Indeed. And, it, you know, so I, I was getting them and, I, you know, a, a connection of mine on LinkedIn mentioned, she said, you should put a newsletter out. And I was like, really? And she's like, you've got a lot to say. You have these jobs that are there. You could, you could, you do so many individual posts. You could just post a bunch of them in that. And that might help a few people, you know, get some starts on something. I'm like, all right. And since I don't produce anything anymore, I'm not doing any shows at CBS and I didn't do any shows at NBC when I was working on the Olympics. It hasn't been a while since I've produced something like that. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Well, let's, let's give that a shot. Let's have, let's try to format something where we can find some content that I thought was interesting and helpful. And, you know, again, it's something to read, something to watch, something to listen to up to you when you want, whatever you want to do. But like, there are plenty of great books out there that will help you with something. There's, there's, like you said, Ted talks on YouTube. They're all over the place. I don't live on that channel. I do find a few, but again, there's more things that I come across on social media. I'm like, oh, that's really neat. That's great. I should post that. And again, it's just there to help. If you need a little boost, a little shot of confidence, maybe some, there's some advice in some of these things I'm posting that are there for you. I have a, a top 10 list is in the middle. It's my, it's the top 10 jobs I see every week. The first five are with us at CBS because we're hiring like crazy right now. The other five are not media related. They're all, they're not any competitors. They're other places. So, you know, schools that are looking for creatives and things like that. Jobs that I knew I was getting, but I'm like, I can't do that. I can't move to Berkeley and be the athletic video coordinator at Cal. That's not for me. It might be for somebody else. So let's do that. That's, I posted that job two days ago. So again, but also as an homage to Barry, Barry was really great at posting stuff. He'd just see something and boom, shoot it right out. And maybe with a name of somebody he thought that would be interested in that. So I'm like, oh, that's so helpful. And now I can do this every Thursday. I can make a list and it's great. You know, I do have the little sales pitch after that's all over. And like, look, just in case you don't know who I am, this is something I do on the side. Love to help you out. Set up the free consultation call. We'll figure that out. And then we'll see you next week. So it's really a fun thing to produce like every week. So I'm kind of getting into it. 
So this week, obviously, the newsletter was all about Barry. There were so many great videos about him out there. There's millions of them I haven't even seen yet that I, you know, that are still out there that I'm still getting around to. I haven't done my own yet. I mean, there's so many things. But I thought, what are we to do it? You know, and it's, it's advice for everybody. And there are things in there that you can listen to from two videos I posted that will help you out forever in any walk of life. So, you know, I figured why not? And, you know, it was the right thing to do. And all. And I got, again, over the weekend, I saw some friends like, oh, the newsletter was so good this week. It really was, hit me in a couple of places. I'm like, just here to help with whatever. But, you know, again, those posts were done by other people, but sharing them that way, I thought was the right thing to do with mm -hmm. what was going on. So and it's a blast to do it. And I've and the subscriber group keeps growing a couple or handful of people a week. You know, you never know. We ended up hiring a person at CBS that was a connection of mine that picked up the newsletter out of nowhere. And now he's been working with us for two months. I'm like, uh, okay, nice. I got, you just have no idea what it could turn into. So I really take a lot of pride in making it and it's a blast and, you know, I know it helps. So that's really a good thing. So I love doing good things like that. So let's keep doing it. <laughs> Fills me up. This was fantastic. It was great to catch up to you. It's been a really long time since we've yeah. spoken and uh, it was just great to, you know, be able to kind of spread the word and tell everyone what you're doing, um, you know, and how people can even, you can help people at this point, you know, so it was, it's been great catching up with you. Uh, we, we appreciate it. Um, and, you know, we'll definitely keep in touch. Thanks, fellas. I really appreciate it as well. And that was the great Tom Roche. Uh, you can catch his, his website at stormers15media.com. And you can also find his Around the Bases newsletter on LinkedIn. No, that was just a great interview. And it's great to hear, you know, it's great to have a guy like Tom who is really doing everything he can to help the people that have follow him uh, in his career path. And even not in his career path, in all kinds of career paths in broadcasting. It's a very small world, Jay. I'm sure you can attest to that. Uh, and I can too. So any, any little bit helps. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I haven't spoken to Tom in, in probably 20 years, I think at this point, but uh, you know, I knew, I knew, you know, if I reached out, we mm -hmm. reached out to him and asked him to come on, he'd, he'd be more than willing to come on. He's one of those guys that's always willing to help out. So mm -hmm. that was another great uh, throwing bagels podcast in the books. So please. Stick with us at uh, throwingbagels.com. You can reach us there anytime on our website. Uh, you can download the latest podcast there or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also drop us a line via email at throwingbagelspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that is a wrap for episode number six. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Kevin. And uh, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.